you flip through any popular magazine or spend some time scrolling Instagram, you're going to see a bunch of advertisements. Photos like someone drinking coffee and reading in bed. A man lounging on the couch and playing guitar. Maybe a group of friends who are going to the beach and enjoying a picnic and having a great time. What are those advertisements selling? They're selling Sabbath. The word Sabbath is Shabbat in Hebrew, and it literally means stop, cease, to be done. And marketing departments around companies all over the world know that you ache for that kind of life and that you don't have it. And so they're selling it to you. The irony is that you can't buy Sabbath. And you don't need to. To Sabbath, you don't need to drop $69.99 on a really sweet new pour-over setup. Uh, You don't need to blow half your paycheck on a fancy new leather couch. Uh, You just need to stop. The problem is that we're bad at stopping. Are you tired has become almost a rhetorical question in the modern age. Of course we're tired. Low-grade exhaustion is really the new normal in so many ways. Why? Because busyness is a sign of social status, of how high up you are. How are you? Ah, I'm really busy. Yeah, me too. How are you? Man, it's been a crazy week at work. How are you? I've got a lot going on right now. In the US, we work more than any other nation in the world. Uh, The Japanese have a word for this. It's called kuroshi. It means death by overwork. (laughs) Uh, But we Americans actually work 137 hours more per year than the Japanese. We work 260 more hours per year than the British. And we work 499 more hours per year than the French. The result of this, we're chronically exhausted and unhappy. Let's talk about this for a second. Let's have a little bit of discussion together. Uh, What's some evidence that you've observed that people around you aren't rested? What's some evidence you've observed that people around you aren't rested? Yeah. The amount of coffee we're all drinking. The amount of coffee we're drinking. Yes. I love coffee. I'm guilty of that. (laughs) They feel stressed and uh, overwhelmed. Yeah. A lot of stress. Overwhelmed. Sure. Uptick in anxiety meds. Anxiety meds. Absolutely. Anything else? The moms that drop off for Jude's preschool all kind of, who have little ones all kind of talk about how little sleep they're getting right now. <laughs> yeah, limited small sleep. <laughs> Easy small talk conversation for sure. Yeah, and we could, go, we could go on and on. There's so many examples of how people around us aren't rested. Open up your Bibles, if you would, to Matthew 11. And if you don't have a physical Bible underneath your seat, there's a little handout with the scripture that we'll be in today. The first being Matthew chapter 11. And would someone read Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 to 30 for us? Thanks, Tristan. 
Jesus' will for your life is not for you to be chronically exhausted, sleep-deprived, unhappy, living with no margin. Jesus' will for your life is that you experience his rest, his easy yoke, his light burden that he speaks of in this passage. And so how can we experience this kind of life? We need a rhythm of resistance. In a culture of consumerism, we need a rhythm that helps us to be content. In a culture of anxiety, you said so well, we need peace. In a culture of speed, we need delays. In a culture of achievement, we need to say enough. In a culture of distraction, we need presence. And resistance isn't easy, but it's necessary for following the way of Jesus. Sabbath is a rhythm of resistance that makes space for our good shepherd to restore our souls. Sabbath is a rhythm of resistance that makes space for our good shepherd to restore our souls. And so the invitation to all of us this morning is to move towards practicing a weekly Sabbath so that we can experience the rest that our souls and our bodies crave. And so in our time together this morning, we'll go through three components of Sabbath. We'll look at the invitation of Sabbath, we'll look at the movements of Sabbath, and then we'll look at the implementation of Sabbath. But before we jump into this, I want to just zoom out and remember why we engage spiritual practices as a church. We engage spiritual practices because they help us to be with Jesus, to become like Jesus, and to do what Jesus did. And we do them not alone, but together, uh, because the Christian life isn't lived alone, but in community. God made us for community. And so we need the support of one another to follow the way of Jesus. We need the support of one another to engage in spiritual practices. As Dave and I have met and prayed and considered what practices to prioritize for our church this year, we landed on two practices to focus on, Sabbath being one of them and evangelism being the other. And so why this year are we engaging Sabbath both in the fall and the spring? Most Christians in North America are too busy, too stressed, too exhausted for spiritual practices, for discipleship, for for mission. And so Sabbath creates space. It creates space for us to be with Jesus, to enjoy him. It creates space for us to become like him. And it creates space for us to do the things that Jesus did. And that's why Sabbath is essential. It's an essential practice to following Jesus. And that's why we're starting here this fall and continuing uh, with Sabbath this spring. Uh, We'll have space in citizens' communities, which If you're newer to our church, these are groups of folks that meet in homes throughout the week. If you want to get connected to one, we'd be glad to help you uh, get connected to one even this week. Um, And as we're in citizens' communities, we're going to discuss this practice and ask questions and consider the theology of it and talk about the logistics. Uh, There's so much to Sabbath that we won't uh, be able to unpack today, but we'll have time this fall and spring to unpack it. Uh, And if you're new to following Jesus, if you've not yet decided to to follow Jesus, but you're exploring faith in Jesus, we're so glad that you're here this morning. You are welcome uh, in this conversation on Sundays, in this conversation in citizens' communities, as we kind of explore this ancient practice uh, that the Jewish community and Christians have been practicing for millennia and what it would look like to engage it 
uh, in our lives today. And so let's pray that God would help us with this as we continue to dive in to his word today. Father, thank you for making the world beautiful and good. Thank you for thinking of work and for thinking of rest and for thinking of a rhythm and for thinking of Sabbath. God, I pray that this morning you would help us to see the wisdom and the beauty of your design for work and rest. But more than that, God, I pray that you would help us to see who you are clearly and to experience you this morning as the God who is eager to meet us, as the God who is eager to bring rest to our weary bodies and minds and souls. God, for those who are entering this space, particularly tired or fatigued this morning, God, I pray uh, that you would help them, help all of us to experience the goodness of the rest that you invite us into with you, all because of Jesus, in whose name we pray. Amen. So we're going to read Psalm 23. Uh, Open up your Bible there if you have one, or grab that little handout with the passages. And as we read Psalm 23, it's important to remember that the Psalms are ancient Jewish meditation literature. And so the way that they're designed to be uh, engaged is to be read and contemplated and then reread. And so we're going to practice doing that right now as I read a portion of Psalm 23. And so if you're comfortable with it, Uh, Close your eyes and take a deep breath, and I'm just going to read this twice. Um, And just imagine the scene the psalm paints. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. Reflect to yourself for a moment. What what came up for you as you read that passage, as you heard that passage read? Ready, you can open your eyes if you had chosen to close them. Is that the book of Psalms? It is the book of Psalms, yeah, that's right. Oh, it's just maybe be a little bit more specific. Yeah, it's Psalm 23 is a specific psalm. Yeah, yeah, thanks for asking. Beautiful. It is beautiful, yeah, thankful for it. So three things that stood out to me over this past week. As I, as I read this psalm, uh, were the themes of contentment, rest, and wholeness. And it just briefly unpacked it a little together. The first verse, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Imagine a life where you lacked nothing, where every core need you had confidence would be met. That's the kind of life that Jesus invites us to. And it's not found in the things that Jesus gives us, but in Jesus himself. We continue. He uh, makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. 
In Hebrew, still waters are translated waters of rest. That would be the most literal translation there. And I just, I love that word picture right there. Like imagine Jesus just grabbing you by the hand and taking a walk uh, beside you uh, as you're uh, moving by a serene pond. And it's a crisp morning. It's birds are chirping. The sun's just kind of peeping over the horizon. Maybe the sun's starting to gently hit your skin and you're just with Jesus walking beside a serene pond, gently holding his hand as he holds yours. Jesus invites all those who belong to him to rest with him. So we see contentment, we see rest, and then we continue and read in verse three, he restores my soul. I don't know much about farming, not a farmer by any stretch of the imagination, uh, but in researching this psalm over the years, uh, I've, I've learned a few things. And one is that sheep are not very smart. They're pretty dumb animals. And they often will wind up cast. A cast sheep is when a sheep winds up on its back. And that's a really sad, it's just a sad sight. <laughs> Don't have a picture there, but you'd laugh and cry a little bit if you saw it. Just use your imagination. And a cast sheep is actually a really... Uh, difficult situation for a shepherd because if the shepherd doesn't find that cash sheep quickly, that sheep will die. The way that internal systems work in sheep, they can't make it for long if they're on their back. And so it's imperative that farmers are constantly searching for cash sheep and setting them upright. And so this psalm is, is a picture of that. It's a picture of restoration because all of us can be like cast sheep. Maybe some of you this morning are feeling worn down from life, anxious, not particularly well in your interior world, not whole inside. Jesus is eager to restore your soul, to put you back on your feet, to make you whole. Contentment, rest, and wholeness. Do you want that? I sure know I do. But the problem is that while Jesus invites us into contentment and rest and wholeness, we are often marked by striving, exhaustion, and fatigue. Why? Lots of reasons. One of them is because we love the idea of Sabbath, but we fail to practice it. Most of us, if you've heard of Sabbath or just broadly, like if you've not decided to follow Jesus yet, you're exploring faith in Jesus. The idea of rest sounds good, but most of us aren't particularly good at resting, particularly in this time and place in our city. We're definitely not a city that's famous for well-rested people, are we? <laughs> We're a city that's famous for achievement, for innovation, for lots of beautiful things, but rest is not one of them. And Jesus's idea, what he proposes in Sabbath uh, and what God ultimately proposes way earlier in the story, we'll look at the history of it in a moment, is a radical idea. Jesus is inviting us to surrender one-seventh of our lives in Sabbath. And so why don't we do this? I wonder if it's because at the core we're trying to be God. John Mark Comer writes, Sabbath is an expression of faith. Faith that there is a creator and he is good. We are his creation. This is his world. We live under his roof, drink his water, eat his food, breathe his oxygen. So on the Sabbath, we don't just take a day off from work. We take a day off from toil. 
We give him all of our fear and anxiety and stress and worry. We let go. We stop ruling and subduing and we just be. We remember our place in the universe so that we never forget there is a God and I am not him. There is a God and I am not him. Sabbath is an invitation to remember that. It's an invitation to remember that we have limits. It's an invitation to be with our good shepherd and let him restore our souls. And so how do we move from maybe liking the idea of Sabbath to actually practicing Sabbath weekly? We'll explore that together uh, in this time, but we first need to understand what Sabbath is. And so a brief history of Sabbath we're first introduced to Sabbath in the second chapter of the Bible, uh, in the book of Genesis, when God creates the world in six days and then rests on the seventh. Um, and then we're formally introduced to Sabbath when God gives the Ten Commandments to Israel. And so open your Bibles or grab that handout to go to Exodus uh, chapter 20. And we're going to read when God introduces Sabbath to Israel formally, beginning in verse 8. 28 to 11. Can someone read that for us? Remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall do no work, you nor your son or your daughter, your male servant or your female servant or your livestock or the sojourner who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made the heaven and the earth, the sea, and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Awesome. Thanks. So notice three things here. First, Sabbath follows the pattern of the creational account. God in creation works for six days, and then he rests on the seventh. Israel is invited to work for six days and then rest on the seventh day. So it follows that same pattern that we see at the very beginning of the story. On Sabbath, second, notice on Sabbath that Israel stopped doing every kind of work. There's a lot that's kind of specified here about all the work they stopped, but they stopped all of it. Um, and then a third thing to note is that Sabbath was key to social justice uh, and really the care of the sojourner and the vulnerable. And we could do a whole sermon on that. Dave, like six months ago, did a sermon that hit on a lot of those themes of Sabbath uh, and how Sabbath is a key to justice in God's world and care for those who are vulnerable. Um, and so the Jewish people have been engaging this for, for millennia, practicing Sabbath on Saturdays. Now, after Jesus was raised, Christians began practicing Sabbath on Sundays, and they sometimes called it the Lord's Day. Uh, zoom forward to more recent history, and Sabbath was institutionalized in America in the 1850s in what were known as blue laws that required businesses to shut down on, Saturday, Saturday, on Sundays rather, so that people could go to church and employees could rest. Yeah, maybe we could talk about that after the gathering. I'd be glad to. Um, thanks, Anthony. So zoom forward to more recent history. You've got your blue laws in the 1850s. And then a century after that, in the 1950s, blue laws began to be phased out. And 
Sabbath or the Lord's Day was secularized into the weekend. And those of us who grew up in the church mostly didn't grow up being taught about Sabbath because most Protestant traditions adopted the secular weekend and really lost sight of this ancient practice that Christians have been engaging for millennia. However, many Christians today are really rediscovering the importance and the beauty of Sabbath. So what, what is Sabbath? How would we define this? Sabbath is the weekly practice of setting aside a day to stop, to rest, to delight, and to worship. And we'll unpack each of those four movements of Sabbath. Stop, rest, delight, and worship. Those movements come from many authors, including Pete Scazzaro, who wrote Emotionally Healthy Spirituality, as well as John Mark Comer, who wrote The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry, I'm borrowing from their framework and some of their teaching guides uh, for these four movements and this sermon as a whole. And so we'll first uh, begin with the, the first movement, which is stop. On Sabbath, we stop all paid and unpaid work. Could someone read Genesis chapter 2, verses 1 to 3 for us? notice God Sabbath. Yeah, but I'm a type A high capacity person. God Sabbath. Yeah, but I'm more of a doer. I have a lot of things going on in my life right now. God Sabbath. Yeah, but I have little kids at home and I'm starting a business. God Sabbath. God the creator stopped. And in doing so, he built a rhythm into the fabric of creation. We work for six days and then we Sabbath. We stop for one. On Sabbath, we stop all paid and unpaid work. Pete Scazzaro writes, Sabbath is first and foremost a day when we cease all work, paid and unpaid. On Sabbath, we embrace our limits. We let go of the illusion that we're indispensable to running the world. We recognize that we will never finish all of our goals and projects. And all the type A people said amen. Uh, and that God is on the throne managing quite well in ruling the universe without our help. So we stop all paid work. Anything that has to do with our jobs, uh, we try and even avoid thinking about our jobs if possible. I know it's hard to do, but uh, from like a neuropsychology perspective, thinking about your work causes your body to feel as though you're working in a crazy way. So we try and get as much distance from work as, as possible. Uh, and then we also stop unpaid work. So Things like laundries and groceries and errands and house cleaning, kind of all the unpaid work of life. We take a day to stop all of it. And it's incredibly hard to do. It's so hard to do. But it's essential for our physical and our spiritual well-being. In broader culture, people tend to rest when they've finished their goals. The problem is, though, that as soon as we finish one goal, we're confronted with new opportunities and challenges. And so life often looks like this. This is a graphic from Pete Scazzaro. And you can see it's work, 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 vacation. Work, 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 vacation. Work, 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 vacation. <laughs> Where you're just constantly working and then crash landing into a vacation and hoping that somehow that will make up. And it's chaos. Uh, I was 
uh, yesterday at Blackbird Books, which is one of my favorite spots in the outer sunset. Uh, and I was overhearing a conversation between two guys, and one was talking about how he hadn't had any time off from Christmas, and he really needed a break, but he was halfway complaining, he was halfway bragging to his friend, because busyness is social status. It's a good thing to be busy, we think, in our broader culture, uh, and then kind of just crash land into vacation. Uh, and while work is a good thing, uh, it can be something that gets overvalued in broader culture around us. And so instead, God invites us into rhythms of working hard for six days, but then resting on the Sabbath. And so you say, this kind of alternate vision that God would have for us, and it's not chaos, it's rhythm. Sabbath, work. Sabbath, work. Sabbath, work. Sabbath, work. My life looked like the first picture, though, until I started practicing Sabbath. I was exhausted, rhythmless, unceasing in my work. And Sonny, when we got married, convinced me to try, uh, try out Sabbath uh, eight years ago. And uh, she's an Enneagram 7. If you're familiar with the Enneagram, that's a type of person. She just loves to have fun. It's great. Um, loves a good party. And so Sabbath for her was a way for her to pry me away from my to-do list for at least a day uh, to have some fun. And uh, gosh, it's not an overstatement to say that the practice of Sabbath has changed my life. Uh, it's contributed to greater physical, emotional, and mental health. Uh, it's been transformative for my life with God. I, I honestly can't imagine life without it now. It's a practice that I plan to engage for the rest of my life. Uh, in our current rhythms, my family starts Sabbath on Fridays around 7. We end on Saturdays around 7. Uh, there's so many different ways that folks can engage it in different seasons of life. And, uh, but for us, that's what we're doing right now. Um, and there's some weeks where it's interrupted and it's cut short. Uh, it's certainly difficult with a baby and a toddler. You're probably hearing my baby in the back a little bit right now. Like it's not a quiet, serene it's not those advertising pictures of Sabbath at all. Um, but it's a rhythm that we, that we fight for, um, and it's going to look different for everyone. If this is a new practice for you, if you're new to following Jesus, uh, if this is something that you've been a Christian your whole life, you've never really tried this, start small and ease into it. Uh, if a full 20 hours is too much, then start with half a day. If half a day feels like it's too much, then start with a couple hours. Uh, start small. Start with what you feel like is a comfortable starting point for for you, but wherever you're at today, I'd invite you to take a first step and to try it out. And so that's the first movement of Sabbath, to stop. On Sabbath, we stop all paid and unpaid work. And so if we empty our day of work, uh, what do we fill our day with? We fill it with rest, with delight, and with worship. First, rest. On Sabbath, we engage in activities that restore and replenish us. We read in Genesis 2, and God, he, referring to God, rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. The culture around us is a Sabbathless, rhythmless, hollow-out-your-soul culture. And so to Sabbath well will require intentionality, it will require preparation and a resolute determination to go against the flow of the cultural tide, to live differently. But Sabbath rest is your secret weapon in the struggle against the powers of the age. An entire day to have enough. To say, with your day of rest, I do not need to work more hours. 
I do not need to make more money. I do not need a new car. I do not need a perfect grade or the perfect body or the perfect house or whatever the thing is for you. It's a day to say enough. Pete Scazzaro writes, in a very real sense, the practice of Sabbath joins heaven and earth, equipping us not merely to rest from our work, but also to work from our rest. With Sabbath, it changes not only one day, but really how we engage our whole week as we get to work from a posture of restedness rather than to work so that we're able to rest. So what's it for you? How do you rest? What do you love to do that's restful? Is it napping, hiking, eating good food, hobbies, playing sports? Think about what activities are fun or restful for you. And then on Sabbath, engage those things. We engage in activities that restore and replenish us on Sabbath. Next is delight. On Sabbath, we enjoy the goodness of God's creation with all of our senses. We continue in uh, Genesis chapter 2, and he, referring to God, rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. That word translated rested is Shabbat in Hebrew. And while it literally means to stop or to rest, it also has the idea that God delighted in all of his work. Tim Keller writes, because the world is full of ugly things, we need Sabbath to feed our soul with beauty. There's so much ugliness in the world. There's so much that is not good, that is not the way that God made it to be. And so on Sabbath, we try and focus and feed our souls with that which is beautiful and good. Ask yourself the question, what could I do for a day that would bring me deep, visceral joy in God? For our family, sometimes we have big meals on Friday Friday evenings heading into Sabbath. And it's a time where we'll have some family over or some friends and we'll just feast together. And we love to sometimes enter in to Sabbath that way. Uh, We love food in our family, and so often we'll go to a farmer's market on a Sabbath, and we'll uh, get some fresh food and then enjoy that over the course of the day. I love, in the summertime, going to farmer's markets in the city and getting heirloom tomatoes and making caprese and all the things that you can do uh, with some fresh food and just enjoying the fullness of what the earth can produce as it's cultivated by by humans, uh, and it's just amazing. Um, And whatever the the thing is for you, uh, consider... What brings you delight? What brings you joy? Uh, Our family loves delighting in creations. We'll often spend a lot of time outside, hiking or uh, exploring somewhere in in nature, Golden Gate Park. Uh, Sabbath delight can include feasting, community, gratitude, play, nature, so many options. And no, the goal of Sabbath isn't just to enjoy like fancy lattes and have self-absorbed pleasure. We can go too far with this. Um, But Sabbath is about deeply enjoying the beauty and goodness of God's world because our God is full of joy. And so on Sabbath, we enter into his joy. On Sabbath, we stop, we rest, We delight, and finally, we worship. On Sabbath, we ponder the love of God. We read in Genesis chapter 2, verse 3, So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it God rested from all his work that he had done in creation. And so God makes a day holy. What does that mean? He sets it apart to be different than the rest. 
For what? What's it set apart for? For worship. And a lot of us hear that word worship and we think about singing or worship music and that's an example of worship. It's a beautiful thing. Uh, But worship is so much more than that. In a biblical sense, to worship is to orient and to reorient your entire life around God, our creator, our center. John Mark writes, on the Sabbath, we come back to what the Quakers call our holy center in God. The point deep within all of us who've been baptized, where we are in Christ, where our spirit is in communion with his spirit, where we're not even sure who's who anymore, where we draw on the life at the heart of the Trinity itself and give our life back in return. The Sabbath is a day for worship. On Sabbath, we ponder the love of God. That doesn't mean that we necessarily like spend the whole days in scripture study or prayer, though those can totally be a part of your Sabbath. Um, it means that we contemplate the love of God in everything we do. Uh, we look for evidence of God's love in everything that he's given for us to, uh, for us to enjoy. As we fast from our work, we feast on Jesus. We redirect our attention to Jesus. We enjoy being with Jesus. We listen to Jesus. We enjoy being at home in his love. And wherever you're at today in your spiritual journey, whether you've been following Jesus for 20 years or whether you're just exploring faith in Jesus, our hope and our prayer is that you would come to experience the love of God made visible in Jesus and that you would be at home in his love. That you would experience his love as a place of center, as a place of refuge as a place of home. And that's on offer to you in Jesus today. And on Sabbath, we get to just enjoy that and savor that, to savor his love for us, that he would come and live and die and raise again so that we could know him and enjoy his love now and forever. So on Sabbath, we enjoy, we savor the love of God, we ponder the love of God. And often there's a progression to this. Often in Sabbath, I'm entering it from a week of overworking a bit and I uh, crash land a little bit. And so it takes me some time to just stop, to pull myself away from my computer, shut the lid, throw my laptop in a drawer or something to get it away from me. And, uh, and then as I, as I stop, as I give up what I'm trying to do at work and around the house, uh, I then enter into rest. And sometimes I have to do some things to kind of pull myself out of work mode. Uh, and I'll do some restful activity. I'll play with one of our boys or go for a run or something to help me kind of reorient and to rest. Uh, And then I find over the course of a day, um, there's increasingly delight. If I'm entering in with like a zero delight, which is often the case if I'm grumpy from a long week, uh, delight comes back, and I start to enjoy things that I wasn't enjoying all week long, and it's this restoration of delight. Uh, And then eventually there's this kind of just worship that can flow into the whole day where everything can be an opportunity to stop and just say, thank you, God, to have uh, a really beautiful meal and say, thank you, God, for this amazing meal, to be able to uh, engage in conversation with a friend and say, thank you, God, for this conversation, to be able to let everything be something that moves us towards God and gratitude for all of the good that he has given us because we deserve nothing. He's given us everything. He's given us Jesus, and he's given us every good gift that we enjoy, and Sabbath is an opportunity for us to remember that. So the invitation for us is to make space for the Good Shepherd to restore our souls. The movements of Sabbath are to stop, to rest, to delight, and to worship, 
And then the implementation, I just wanna share a few very quick practical ideas to move from loving the idea of Sabbath to practicing Sabbath weekly. First is start small. This is a new practice for you. Start with a few hours a day, not the whole day. Uh, maybe it could be a few hours on a Friday evening or a Saturday morning, uh, whatever feels realistic to you. Uh, consider what that could be, but start small. Uh, that's a great starting point. Second, prepare. Uh, if you do want to try a 24-hour Sabbath, you have to orient your week around it. It's not something that's going to happen accidentally. You're not just going to stumble into it. Uh, you'll have to think about, as you do that, subtraction over addition. So what can you cut out? Uh, what can you not do? Maybe it's like a house project or weekend emails or extra errands. Is there activity that you can say no to to be able to say yes to Sabbath? This past week, I totally did not do that. I had a very intense work week and I pushed myself considerably past my limits and I just crash landed into Sabbath. And I was irritable with Sunny and the kids uh, for most of the day because I was just exhausted. Uh, and yesterday I was at a playground in Golden Gate Park uh, with Jude trying to rest and delight. And the spirit just reminded me of Jesus' words in Matthew 5, that blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for there is the kingdom of heaven. And that was good news that I needed in that moment. Um, that Jesus forgives me for being irritable with my family. Uh, that he dearly loves me even when I overwork and have an imperfect Sabbath. Uh, that the key to entering his kingdom is recognizing that we don't have it all figured out. The key to entering his kingdom is just to recognize that we don't have it all figured out. And that's certainly true with Sabbath. Um, that practicing Sabbath the first step is to recognize that we aren't great at rest and that we need God's help with it. And in that, Jesus is eager to uh, help us to obey him through practicing the Sabbath. He gave us his spirit to, to help us and his spirit will help us to wisely prepare so that we can enjoy the gift of Sabbath. Next, reduce digital noise. Technology can totally be a Sabbath killer. And so, Try putting your phone on do not disturb mode, turn notifications off, do something to create some distance between you and technology. Next, adjust based on your season of life and personality. Sabbath will look radically different depending on your season of life. Uh, for individuals, it might look like spending time with friends, going on a day trip, enjoying some time in silence and solitude. Uh, for those with kids, it might look like time with your family, playing with your kids, uh, going on a hike together. Uh, for those who are introverted, Rest for you might look like spending a lot of time alone on a Sabbath. For those who are extroverted, rest for you might look like spending a lot of time with friends. Uh, there's not a right or a wrong way to do it. And so adjust based on your season and your personality. And then finally, let imperfect Sabbaths lead you to anticipate the ultimate Sabbath. And we'll end here. Sabbath will always be imperfect. I personally often get frustrated when Sabbaths are interrupted and unideal. Uh, but my Sabbath uh, yesterday, for example, was cut short. It was filled with crying kids. So let imperfect Sabbaths lead you to long for the ultimate Sabbath. In Sabbath, we're practicing for eternity. We read of the Sabbath that we will enjoy forever in Revelation 21. Read along if you have your Bibles or on that uh, scripture sheet. We read this speaking of the Sabbath that we will enjoy forever. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people. 
and God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for all the former things have passed away. We can start to experience this reality now through Sabbath. Through Sabbath, we get to experience heaven breaking in to our bodies, our minds, our souls. We get to experience heaven breaking into our friendships, our families, our communities. We get to experience the good shepherd making us whole. So hear your good shepherd's words to you today from Eugene Peterson's translation of John chapter 10. Are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me, and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me, and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. Do you long to live freely and lightly? Do you long for contentment and rest and wholeness? It's on offer today in the person of Jesus. And Sabbath is a way of making space to enjoy him. Sabbath is a rhythm of resistance that makes space for our good shepherd to restore our souls. So this week, discuss Sabbath with your citizens' community as our church explores these four movements of Sabbath, stop, rest, worship, and delight. If you're not a part of a citizens' community and would like to join one, just talk to Dave or Georgia and myself. We'd be glad to get you connected to a group that you could uh, join for a meal and a discussion this week. And then this month, try out the practice of Sabbath. Give it a shot. Start small, uh, but, but give it a shot and try out this practice this month. And as you do, may you experience your good shepherd restoring your soul. Let me pray. Father, thank you for your love for us. That you invite us to make our home in that love, to enjoy that love. Thank you for your love that's so great that you sent Jesus to live and die and rise so that we could know the extent of your love and that we could enjoy it right now and forever. Father, thank you for the gift of practices like Sabbath so that we can enjoy your love more deeply and more fully. And Father, I pray that this year our church uh, would experience uh, you through the space created by this practice. Um, God, would you give us the courage to cut things out of our lives, to reprioritize, to reorder, in order to make space for this practice. And God, as we do, would you meet us? God, because it only matters um, if we are coming towards you and enjoying you through this practice. So God, would uh, we meet with you, we experience you, we encounter you, and we find ourselves at home in your love through the space that you give us in this practice of Sabbath. Amen.